thank you all for coming tonight. If you would have known I was coming, you might not have shown up, but now it's too late. You're, you're here, and I'm here, and looking forward to being able to be with you tonight. Um, I understand that there is one more announcement tonight, and uh, I know there's been a lot of exciting events that have taken place in the last few days, but I believe it's, is it today? Today is Ray Rutherford's 50th birthday. He's entering into his 10th decade. Oh, <laughs> his face mask just went over his eyes in case you don't know who he is. But anyway, happy birthday to him, and make sure you stop and sing to him before you leave. Of course, within six feet, you know, stay six feet away. Uh, but anyway, happy birthday. That's, a, that's a, a milestone that a lot of us have already crossed over, and it's, it's all right. I like the uh, Sunday school class, the Over the Hill Gang. Uh, the, is everybody else under the hill? It's not in your class, I thought. Anyway. Well, you know, there's a story told about uh, Arnold Palmer. Actually, he tells the story. Most of you know Arnold Palmer. I, I believe probably the most famous golfer uh, in my lifetime, at least, and I'm sure maybe even in the history of golf. Um, but he recalls a lesson one day. He was on the final hole of the 1961 Masters Tournament. He had a one-stroke lead, and he hit a, he hit a really good uh, shot off the tee. And uh, he felt like he was in pretty good shape to, to win the, uh, the tournament. And as he got ready to go to the ball, uh, he saw an old friend standing at the edge of the gallery. And the old friend motioned for him to come over, stuck out his hand, and this was before COVID. And, uh, and Arnold Palmer went over and shook his hand, and the, the guy said, congratulations. But as soon as Arnold said, as soon as he shook his hand, he knew he had lost his focus. He went back to the ball and, and promptly hit the ball into the, uh, into the sand, took him two shots. He shot over the green on the shot out of the sand and back, and he missed his putt, and he ended up losing the Masters because he lost his focus. And so I want you to think about that tonight. Where's your focus? Where's my focus? You know, the world, the world uh, hits us every day trying to get us to move our focus off of what is most important onto what is of lesser importance. It doesn't mean things aren't important. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I think it's really important for us, as we mentioned, we, we need to be praying for our nation. By the way, I really appreciate many of the churches that Terry and I have been in recently uh, have really been spending time in prayer over these elections. I think we should do that. I think we should keep that up after the elections. I think we need to be praying for our nation, whether, regardless of who the president is. We need to be praying for America. We need to be praying that uh, we who are Christians within America will humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from our wicked ways. And that's when God's going to hear from heaven. I think I might have touched on that last time I was here, so I don't want to preach what I've already preached to you. But turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 with me tonight. As I was praying about what I would share with you tonight at this critical point, the, uh, the pastors are in a planning time for the next few days here. That's a crucial time for the, the, the thrust of your ministry moving forward. I'm honored to be able to be here tonight and uh, and I'm always glad to come and see Amanda and the kids and Lawrence when he's around, you know, but he's, he's not here this time. But I do have to tell you, uh, I was sharing with the guys, uh, Layla got on, our, our kids, our girls all do 
uh, this thing called Marco Polo on your phone. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But it's sort of, it's like a group uh, video thing. And uh, I happen to be, I'm the only guy in it. Uh, my wife and our girls, and, and Layla got on yesterday morning. Was it yesterday morning she did? I think it was yesterday morning. And she goes, tonight, we, and you know Layla, she's so animated. We have Awana. Awana Corona, she goes. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you should call it uh, on your billboard or anything, but she was excited to go to Awana Corona. Uh, I thought she was so cute. All right, let's get into scripture tonight. If you look at Mark chapter 4, or I'm, yes, Mark chapter 4, the end of the chapter has a story that God brought to my heart and mind uh, while I was praying about what I should share with you. And, and let's read the last, uh, the last few verses, almost all of the last part of the chapter, beginning of verse 35. It says, uh, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, verse 1 tells us that Jesus was teaching a group of people, and there were so many people that he had gotten into a ship on the edge of the, of the, on the, the bank of the, of the sea, and he was there in the ship teaching, and so that's where we pick up this story. Verse 35, And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. Notice that word, into the ship, so that it was now full. Verse 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Verse 40. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Father, would you touch our heart tonight with the truths that are here? I know this is a script, simple section of Scripture, but the depth of what the, the meaning is is so real. Would you help us to get a hold of it tonight? I pray that you would... Uh, be with the pastoral staff as they meet, and uh, I pray you would have their hearts united with one another, but most importantly with you, and that the future direction of Faith Baptist would be clear and, and concise in their minds, and as they return, they'll be excited and thrilled to be in this ministry, and I pray, Father, you do great things in the year ahead for this church as a result of their meeting. Help us tonight, Lord. We, we are... We are needy people. We didn't come here to play church tonight. We came here because we need encouragement from the Word of God. And I pray that you'd help me to uh, share what you have touched my heart with and none of my own thoughts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at these verses together tonight, I want you to just... Uh, by the way, I hate math, but I want to give you some math lessons through the message tonight that I see here in these verses. Uh, the first lesson, I have four lessons that I want to share with you. I know that uh, every good sermon has three points. I'm sorry, I'm going to give you four tonight. I couldn't come up with just three. But the first lesson I learned is that God's guiding plus my life equals success. And we see that right in the very beginning of this chapter. Look at verse 35. It says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. It was Jesus who recommended to these, uh, his followers that they move from where they were to the other side. So God's guiding is obvious here. This is not an idea that these men had. Hey, let's go on to the other side. This was, 
God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, saying to them, okay, it's time for us to pass over to the other side. Someone has said, and I'm not sure who said it, but where God guides, he what? Okay, we got to do a little bit better than that. Hopefully somebody else has heard this before. Where God guides, he provides. Very good. That was pretty good. It rhymes. Uh, where God guides, he provides. Can I say to you, and, and I want to really draw some practical points from this section of Scripture, because I believe God gave us this book to use every day of our lives. This is not a book. The Bible is not designed so that you have to have a pastor for it to be able to minister to you. Are you with me on that? The Bible God wrote so that every man and every woman, even every boy and girl, could understand Bible truths and principles. So we want to, we'd want to draw application from these things. It is not so important that the disciples understood where they were going to, when they crossed the other side. The success was going to be that they followed the leadership of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Their success was not knowing what was on the other side or why they were going to the other side. I find that so many times we as human beings, we think so highly of ourselves that we feel like God owes us an explanation about what's happening before it ever happens. And I think personally that if that's what happened, we would miss a ton of blessings that God has for us because we, we anticipate something that's not going to happen happening. By the way, half of the stuff or more than half the stuff I worry about never happens. So I've worried in vain. And I've, I've fretted in vain. Uh, yesterday morning, my wife shared with me that, that uh, God had led her to Psalm 37 uh, in her devotions. And three different places it said, fret not, fret not, fret not. Don't worry. It was a good message for yesterday for us. I know that. I hope it will be a blessing to you as well. But it wasn't so important that they knew what was on the other side. What was important was they realized if they were going to have success, remember my first point is, God's guiding plus my life will equal success. So in my life, I have a choice to make. God is going to guide me. He's going to do all he can to lead me. By the way, I don't believe God rents billboard space necessarily to give us that message. I don't believe that God's going to speak in an audible voice. Could God speak in an audible voice to us? He could. I don't believe that that's how God does it, though, normally today. That's not how God works. But I do believe that God gave us the book of the ages to help us. And he expects us to get in this book and allow this book to get into us so he can direct us and lead us and guide us. I know one thing for sure, uh, and I've been doing a lot of contemplating on how I was raised. And one thing that I've noticed about my parents, neither one of them were really highly educated uh, as the world would look at them. I think they were brilliant, but the world wouldn't have necessarily seen that. But one thing they did, if the Bible said something was to be true, that's what we did as a family. And it didn't matter what your family did or anybody else's family did. We were going to do what my parents saw in the Word of God. Can I tell you, that's a pretty good strategy for raising your children. Find principles in the Word of God. Build your home on the principles of the Word of God. It's not so important that we understand everything that's coming, but it is important that we obey the guiding of, of the Lord in our lives. Now, let me say this. The option of staying where they were safely on shore... If they'd stayed on the shore and not gotten into the ship, we know the story because we just read it. The, the storm came up and they faced some disastrous times in their lives. But the fact is, if they had remained on the shore, they would have missed one of the most valuable lessons they probably ever could have learned in their lifetime. Would you agree? 
being in that ship, trying to bail the water out and getting Jesus to come up, seeing him speak in the, calm, the seas calm in that instant uh, is, I'm sure, something they never forgot for the rest of their lives. But if they'd stayed on the shore in safety and in their own wisdom, they would never have seen, uh, learned the lesson that they learned. So let's, let's bring that to us. When we don't step out by faith, please listen to what I'm going to say. When you don't step out by faith, there is little chance that you're ever going to grow. When you refuse to step out by faith, there is very little chance you're ever going to grow spiritually. Uh, I have a friend who, uh, who's uh, younger than me, and we had, a, we had a deacon in our church that was a, an incredible man of God, a World War II vet. He was the head of our deacon board until he passed away. He was in his mid-90s when, he, when the Lord took him home. But one of, one of my friends said, I want to be like Don. And he said that to our pastor. And our pastor said, are you willing to pay the price Don has paid? That's a good question. You see, faith requires stepping out into some difficult situations and watching what God will do uh, to take you through that time. And so we don't like the storms of life. I don't know about you, but I don't like the storms of life, I should say. We like to keep things the same as they were in the good old days. You know, the good old days were never as good as we think they were. We just remember, we forget the bad stuff and only remember the good stuff. But we like staying in the good old days. We don't like to get in the storms. But if we stay in the same place doing the same things we've always done, we'll get the same results we've always gotten. And so it's important that we, I, I, I put this down here, growth demands that we reach beyond where we are. Uh, let me say it this way. Growth demands that we reach beyond where we are comfortable into areas that we are not comfortable. And that was the key here. The, the key to stepping out was leaving their comfort zone. And for us today, our, the key for us to, to grow is for us to leave our comfort zone and trust the Holy Spirit of God to, to take us where he wants us to go. Now, simply stepping out without the leadership of the Holy Spirit is foolish. I know some people who say, well, God, you know, God told me to do this. And I, so I just, I sold my house and I'm just waiting for the rapture to come. Have you ever heard that one? That was popular a few years ago. I never will forget. Uh, I started, I was, uh, became a senior pastor in 1992. And I had a fellow come to, my, to our church. And there, there happened to be a man here in, in New Jersey who was espousing that he knew when the rapture was going to come. And, and he, he was giving a date. And, and this fellow came to me and he said, Pastor, you need to warn the people because this guy on the radio said that this is October 31st. I can't remember which of the years it was, but it was close in the early 90s there. October 31st, 1990-something, Christ is going to come back. And there were literally people selling their house, selling everything they had, and going to go stand on a hillside and wait for Jesus to come back on October 31st. I told the guy when he told me that, I said, I promise you Jesus is not coming back that day. He said, wait a minute, this guy's written books. I said, I don't care how many books he's written. The book says, no man knows the day or the hour. But there were people who were not being led by the Spirit of God, but being led by a a heretic, as it turns out. And by the way, obviously the Lord didn't come back on October 31st, 1990-something. We're still here. I believe he's getting close, but don't ask me when. I don't know when, but I know one thing. We need to be sensitive to to staying so close to God that the Spirit of God can move our hearts whenever 
he wants us to and wherever he wants us to go. So the lesson that we're looking at is that this, the disciples, they were living through this lesson. And uh, I want to say to you, it's important for us today to surrender our children to God's care. Now, I say that looking back at my, our youngest daughter back here and, and two of our grandchildren. But, you know, there came a time when my wife and I, as they were babies, when we dedicated them as little babies, we told God, they're not ours, they're yours. Amen? And that means that God may take them some places we would rather have them stay with us, but they move away to play strange areas like New Jersey and New York City and, and who knows where else God's going to take our children. But you know what? They're not ours. And I'd rather God take care of them than me because I could never take care of them as well as God can. So surrender your children to God. Surrender your, your job, your involvement in your local church. And we could just go on and on and on. But recalling here now, the important thing is my life plus the power of God equals success. Or God's guiding and my life equals success. Let me give you the second lesson that I learned. Now, I hope I, I, I put these notes in here. I got my symbols. I hope they're right. But here's my second lesson. God's guiding is greater than the challenges we'll face. God's leadership is greater than the challenges that we're going to face. Look at verse 37 with me. It says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Can you just picture these guys? By the way, uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is where I think they were, is a very small, it's more like a lake. If you've ever been to Israel, you can see from one side to the other. But there's, there are mountains all around the Sea of Galilee. And so the winds come off of those, those mountains and they hit that water and it can create a really, really tumultuous situation very quickly from what I've heard. Uh, here they are, they're out in this ship. They've followed, Jesus said, come on, we're going to the other side. And the storm hits. Can I say to you, there are always going to be storms in life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. Listen, Jesus taught his disciples, the world hated me. Guess what? The world is going to hate you as well. So it, it amazes me that Christians are amazed today that the world doesn't like us too much. Jesus said this is the way it was going to be. This is what it's going to be. If we stand for Christ, if we stand for what's right. Now, if they hate you because you're belligerent and arrogant, that's a different story. But if you're walking with Christ and living for Christ and the world hates you, then you count that as joy because you're getting to suffer for the cause of Christ. But the, the life that we have is going to be full of storms. The wind, uh, think about this for a second. If the wind doesn't come and you're in a ship with a sail and there's no wind, where's the power come from? You've got to talk back to me a little bit. If you're in a ship... And it's got a sail up, but there's no wind blowing. Where's the, now, and by the way, we're back in this time, not today, all right? You don't just turn the motor on and, and run with the motor. If you didn't have a motor and you had a, a ship with a sail and no wind, it, where's the power come from? Right here. You got to row and row. You with me? You're rowing and you're rowing. And uh, you can get across a, a sea. At some point, you'd make it across if you live long enough. But it's a whole lot easier when the wind fills the sails, would you say? Now, I'm not a sailor. I don't, I don't like being on the water too much. I get a little bit seasick. So I'd rather watch it from a TV. But if I was in a ship, I would want the wind to fill the sails. Now, that same wind that fills the sails to push you across that, that, uh, that ocean, if it's too strong and if it's too much, 
it causes the situation that's here. But here's what I want you to see. Without that wind, those rowing are the power source. They can generate some, but they can never compare to that wind. So here's what I want you to think about. What are my reactions? By the way, the wind to me are troubles, challenges that we face today. Are you with me? So we're not really talking about sailing across the sea. We're talking about living Christian life. Uh, But the troubles that come, the winds that came that caused the water to come up into the ship. Now, I don't know a lot about boats, but I know the water's not supposed to be in the ship. The ship's supposed to be in the water. Am I right? But when the water starts coming in and the winds are blowing so strong, uh, what's your reaction when troubles come to your life? So many hitting in a row. By the way, we've been through a year in 2020 where this feels like this is what's happened. The waves have come one right after the other. We think we get through one and we're looking up and there's another one coming. So what's your reaction when the wind comes? Do you grab a bucket or do you fall on your knees and look for the master? You know what happened in this story. What was the first thing they did? They grabbed the bucket and they start bailing for all they're worth. And, and you know the story. I, I get the picture in my mind that more water's coming in than they're getting out by far in those little buckets. But in the ship they're in is the master of the sea. It's Jesus Christ. But they didn't turn to him right away. They tried all by themselves to take care of their problems. And they, they didn't like their problems. They're trying to get their problems out of, the, out of the ship as fast as they can. But obviously they're not being real successful. So here's what I want to ask you. And please, you need to answer me now. All right? Are you with me? If you're snoozing, wake up now and try to help me out here. All right? Here we go. What are some verses that you turn to when the waves of life and the winds of life are beating on your ship? Give me a verse that you turn to. Who, who can help me out? Go ahead. Psalm 121. That's a great one. I saw a hand over here. Isaiah 26.3. Great piece. Uh, say it one more time. I lost it. What's the beginning? You're right. That's the right verse. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That's a great one. Anybody on this side read your Bible? Okay, we got one here. Good. That's a great one, too. Anybody else? I'll wait just a minute. Yes. Yeah, that's a great one. Can you all hear, by the way? Okay, Psalm 121, Isaiah 23, I think. Is that right? I couldn't remember that one today. That was always good. Psalm 23. And uh, 1 Timothy 1, 7, I think it is. God's not given us the uh, spirit of fear, but of love. And, and, and uh, Proverbs 3, 4, 5, right? We got that one. How about another one? One more? Anybody else have a good one? Yes, up there in the balcony. I... Philippians 4, 7, that's a great one. That's a great one. I wrote down a few. I put down uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And, and Psalm 55, 22 says about the same thing. But uh, Psalm 56, by the way, if you need a good chapter to read when you're feeling low, Psalm 56 is a great one. Let me give you three verses in there. These, uh, these are just ones that came to my heart and mind. 
What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I love that one, don't you? Then if you drop down just a couple of verses below, verse 9 says, When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. I like that one. And then verse 11 in the same chapter, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. By the way, we just scratched the surface. Amen? Your Bible is filled with wonderful promises from God. That he is the anchor for your soul when when the waves and the winds are beating on your life. Don't run to CNN. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Can I tell you, don't run to any channel on your TV. I don't care who they are. When your heart is troubled, don't run to your neighbor. When your heart is troubled, don't run to Google. When your heart is troubled, God gave you an incredible book. Run to the Word of God. You know, the fact that my wife shared with me yesterday morning, Psalm 37, it just, you know what? When she shared those verses with me, it just soothed my heart. It just made the rest of the day doable for me. Because I realized I don't need to fret. I got a God who already knows what's going to happen, and he's taking care of me. By the way, I trust this book long before I trust any other thing I hear on this earth. This is the word of God. Run to the word of God. Uh, take, your, take your safety and your solace in the word of God. So the first one was God, God's guiding in my life equals success. This one is God's guiding is greater than the challenges that I'm going to face every day. Uh, let, me, let me get to the third one, and I've got to move a little quickly. The third lesson that I learned is my challenges are less than Jesus' power. I love this story. I love how Jesus, you know, uh, he's not, uh, he doesn't panic at all. Matter of fact, I love the fact, what is Jesus doing in the middle of the storm? He's sound asleep. It reminds me of Layla. When, uh, I remember when Layla was a little baby and, and Lawrence and Amanda came to the house, you know, they'd had those parenting classes. So they knew how to raise children. And they, and they came to our house, and, and we were going to watch Layla, and we had, Amanda came with, I'm not lying to you, a, an itemized schedule of when we were to do, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not making fun of her, because it worked. Both of their kids have been on that schedule, and, and it just worked like they were, to, well, anyway, it was nap time at 11.32, or whenever it was, and she said, it, it's on the note, it said, put the sound machine on. And so I can remember going in with Layla. She was just a dear little baby thing. And I went in there with her, and I'm going to lay I volunteered to help her go to sleep, you know, because I'm a good poppy. And I was wiped out anyway. So I go in there, and Amanda had this thing. It, was, it made ocean sounds. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so I, I laid Layla down, and she was still squirming around. And I put the ocean machine on, and I laid down next to her. And I woke up like two hours later. I was like, man, that thing works really good. She was still sound asleep. And by the way, they still use that thing. And I got it on my phone now, so I can use it when I'm going to sleep at night. But I think about that. You know, the the thing that that was so uh, tempestuous to these disciples, to Jesus, it didn't really hit the fear meter at all. As a matter of fact, the, the same storm that was causing the disciples anguish and pain uh, they, were, they were on that, on that uh, 
that sea being tossed about, Jesus made the sea that he was on. I think about the old hymn, and I, I just put three verses of trust and obey. Do you all know that song? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will. Listen to this part. He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. The third verse of that, I just picked out a couple, not all five. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. You know what? The the folks that were mentioned for prayer tonight, if they'll trust and obey God, there's not a grief, there's not a loss that can take you out of the joy of knowing that God's in control. Amen? And then the fifth verse, the last one says, Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. When you realize that your challenges are far less than Jesus' power, it gives you the opportunity to trust and obey. When Jesus was awakened in the back of that ship underneath on his pillow, he's awakened and they bring him up. Uh, He did not exhibit any fear whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I I have been a really good uh, pretender in my mind. When I was in kindergarten, the kindergarten teacher used to tell us, now put on your thinking caps. Do you remember that if you're older? you're younger, they just tell you, get on your iPad. But anyway, uh, in, in our day, we didn't have iPads. We had thinking caps that were imaginary. We'd put them on, and the teacher would tell us to imagine things. I can just see Jesus coming up on the ship, and the wind's blowing, and the waves are coming in, and he's kind of, you know, and he just stands up and just says, says just calm down. And all the winds stop, and the water becomes like glass. <laughs> And those disciples are still standing there with their buckets in their hands. They're soaking, drenched away. They're so scared, they they didn't know which way to turn. And all of a sudden, everything went from turmoil to instant peace all of a sudden. And I want to tell you, the difference between Jesus and the disciples were the power that they contained within themselves. Uh, We don't have the power. Please listen. I want to tell you, when you and I face challenges today and troubles come to us and we get that doctor's report and it's not a good one, that's troublesome to us. But to God, that's nothing. He can handle it. He can take care of it. For us, the key is not to try to handle it ourselves. The key is to get to the place where we allow him to handle it for us. You see, these disciples all benefited from getting Jesus in the right place in that ship. Would you agree? When he was sleeping, they were close to drowning. But when they got him up where he needed to be in that ship, he took care of everything there was to take care of. And I want to say that same thing is true with you and I tonight. If Jesus Christ does not have the preeminent place in your life and in your heart and in your behavior and in your thoughts and in your language, then you're going to struggle through the storms of life, you will. And you'll probably drown at some point. But when you get Jesus in the place he belongs to be in, his power becomes evident. Would you look up 1 John 4, 4? You can keep your finger. We're coming back here. i got one more point to make here. But turn to 1 John 4, 4. I love this this verse. 
And I want you to see it on the pages of your Bible because I hope you'll, if you mark your Bible, I hope you'll mark it uh, in your Bible to go back to later and check it out because you'll need it again, I'm sure. But 1 John chapter 4, in verse 4 it says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can I say to you, if you have trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you are on the winning team. Oh, it may look like you're getting beat in the game of life. It may look like your, your opinions are being pushed down and squandered and squashed. But I want to tell you tonight, greater is he that is in you, as the Holy Spirit of God, than he that is in this world. And this world's, uh, by the way, uh, if you read just a little further in this chapter, you'll see, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, uh, you'll see that God allowed this world, in verse 19, this world lies in wickedness at the approval of God right now. The world is being controlled by a satanic force that's trying to destroy everything and everyone. However, go back to verse 4, look at it again in, in, in chapter 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And we are not called, by the way, this is a little side note, this is for free. It's all for free, but I'd like to say it's for free. The, the point of this is that when we yield to the Holy Spirit of God, then he gets to do in us and through us in this world what we could never do and what the devil cannot stop. So let's live like Jesus Christ. By the way, the more we copy the world, the less the Holy Spirit of God gets to use us. Does that make sense to you? The more we try to think like the world and act like the world and, and, and be accepted by the world. Listen, I'm not looking for this world to accept me. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, the old hymn says. I'm not looking for people in this world to think I'm a great guy. I have been sent here to be salt and light. And both salt and light make a difference. Would you agree? I love salt on my food. It makes a big difference to me. I love the taste of it. I love turning on a light when I go in a room. I don't like darkness. I'm sorry. I've stubbed my toe far too many times. I've fallen over stuff too, far too many times. The other day, uh, my wife and I got home from a meeting, and, and I went into our bathroom, which is in our bedroom, and uh, when I came out, I had turned a light on in the bedroom, went into the bathroom. When I came out, my wife had followed me into the room. She turned out the light in the room and set a basket of clothing between where I was and where I was going. I said to her, Honey, how did you expect me not to fall over that basket of laundry in the middle of the floor? Well, she said, you always tell me to turn the lights out when I leave the room, which I do. But anyway, we're salt and light. We don't want to match the world. We want to, we want to be here to represent Jesus Christ. Let me give you the fourth lesson and we'll be finished tonight. Go back to Mark chapter 4 with me, if you would. Mark chapter 4, I want you to see uh, the last verse that we read together, verse 40. It says there that he said to them, and these are the final words that, that I want to hit with you tonight. But he said to them, Jesus looked at his disciples after having said, Peace be still. He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And here's the last lesson that I've learned in this, chap in this passage. 
Fear in times of challenge equals no faith. These disciples, Jesus points it out to them. By the way, he doesn't mince any words, does he? He would not have won any how to influence people and make friends with this statement. He looks at these guys who are just soaking, drenched, wet, holding buckets, dripping water still. Now the, the sea is just as calm as it could ever be. And he says, how can you guys be so fearful? How can you have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? By the way, I noticed that word still in there. I can just see Jesus saying to them, after all that I've ever done for you, after all that I have shown you in the miracles that I've done on this earth, how could you ever doubt me? I mean, as long as I'm in this ship with you, you're going to be successful. You're going to make it through. We're going to get to the other side. I told you we were going to the other side. Now, I want to say to you tonight, don't be too hard on the disciples. Because they didn't have the whole Bible that we have. They didn't read all of the stories that we have read. They didn't hear all the testimonies of the New Testament church. They hadn't been written yet. And so before we criticize the disciples, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, why am I so afraid? Why do I lack faith? What is it about me that isn't trusting Jesus Christ after all that I have seen him do? Turn to the Old Testament. I'm going to get you to look at one last passage with me. In Psalm chapter 37, I want you to see these verses. I, I love these verses, and, and these are other verses. By the way, they're also in the same chapter my wife read yesterday. She didn't share this with me yesterday, but uh, it's in, toward the end of this chapter. In Psalm 37, by the way, this is an advertisement to read your Bible every day, because every day you probably need some encouragement. Amen? And the Bible's got encouragement for us on all these pages. But it says in in verse 23. Would you read it as I read just a couple of verses there? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. A very good friend of mine, he's in heaven, he's in heaven now, used to say, the, the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord too. Now, I like that. Verse 34, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I love that word picture, don't you? When you feel like you're, you can't go any further and you're weary and you're stumbling and you're falling, God upholds you with his hand. It goes on in verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Verse 26. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. May I encourage you tonight, if you didn't get another thing out of this, Mark those verses and go back and read those verses again. Uh, and, and go to bed tonight knowing that you've got a God who's ordering your steps, who holds you up with his hand, who will not allow his, his righteous children to suffer. He's going he's gonna to take care of us. So let's review real quickly these four lessons and, and then we'll be finished. By the way, I do apologize. I know... Uh, you may have come looking for some uh, intellectual filet mignon tonight. I'm sorry, all I've got is a cheeseburger and fries. These lessons in this, in this passage are just common, everyday things. But I believe if we'll trust them, lesson number one, God's guiding plus my life will equal success in his eyes. Number two, God's guiding is greater than my challenges. 
Number three, my challenges are less than Jesus' power. And number four, if I fear in challenges, it equals a lack of faith. So I want to encourage you tonight. Let's determine that regardless of the storms that life has around us, that we're going to keep our eyes on the one who we know is never going to change, who promised to never leave us or forsake us, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's, let's determine that we're going to get as close to that Savior as we possibly can each and every day that we live. That, by the way, that takes work. That doesn't just happen. Amen? You're not, are you all with me? You don't get spiritual just because you carry a Bible any more than you can sing in the choir if you pick up the songbook. I hope you get that one. Maybe that'll sink in a little bit later. Just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you're a good Christian. Just because you have a hymnal doesn't mean you should sing in the choir. And whoever the choir leader is says amen to that one, but he won't say it out loud. Uh, Let's trust the Holy Spirit who's within us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Trust the Holy Spirit that's within you to take care of your enemies. And don't you worry so much about how you're going to take care of them. He'll take care of them if you'll yield to him. By the way, we're no match for the strength of our enemy, but the Spirit of God within us is greater than, than the devil that's in this world. And rather than focus on the waves and the wind and the tempest, let's do our very best to recognize the power that, that God has available to us and trust him in that. Arnold Palmer lost the Masters in 1961 because he got his eye off the mark. He lost his focus for just that split second, and it cost him the match. And for us as Christians, if we take our eyes off our Savior in difficult times, it's going to cost us more than a match in golf. So I want to encourage you tonight. The world we live in is going through turmoil. By the way, it's not just America. You understand that. This whole world is in upheaval. Why is that? The whole world, the whole world groans because it yearns for a Savior that who we know, and it's our responsibility to tell them about our Savior. Let's give ourselves to that tonight. Let's bring Jesus out of the bottom of our ship and get him up on the deck where he belongs and let him calm the storms of our life. Father, thank you for these scriptures tonight. I know it's simplistic, but God, I ask you to work in the hearts of each of us, including me, uh, because as much as I'm preaching this to other folks tonight, I'm really doing it for me to hear. Because my heart gets troubled too. And I get to worrying and fretting easily. God, I pray that you'd help me not to hide you in my life, but to bring you up to the forefront and to trust you to calm the storms of my life. Help me to keep my focus on my Savior and not on the winds and waves around me and help these folks to do the same, Father. Help us to out of here victorious tonight and help us to let our light so shine that, we, that uh, others may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We pray in his name. Amen.